Good morning. It really is a gift and a pleasure to be with you guys. Um, there's something really special about being able to participate and join in another church's service, to be with other people who are seeking after the way of Jesus in the city together. It's no small thing, even what we're doing here this morning. I just, I keep getting this sense of, uh, like there's a bit of a weight here, not in a negative and is in a weightiness, but actually a weight of something of substance. Uh, and I know there's many people, even just getting to chat with a number of you here, such a story of brand new folks and folks that have been here for a long time. And I just want to say, I, I sense the grace and the love of the Lord of wanting to do something here that he is establishing and he is going before you. So if you find yourself here today uh, or online and part of this community and being drawn in, I believe it's the Lord that is drawing you in. Oh, that's either a good sign or the Lord's disagreeing. We'll see. Either a good sign or a really bad sign. Thank you. I appreciate the support. If it goes down, I'm just going to wing it. Um, one thing I'll say as a whole, maybe that's a great start. Just as an introduction and a posture to me, I would say one thing. Um, I try really, really hard to take Jesus very seriously. and coming in with great expectation even today. And I try really, really hard not to take myself too seriously. So that's the posture. We'll roll with it. Probably one of my greatest ministry philosophies has been failing forward. Um, so it just gives you a sense of where we're at. Um, but when you step into a moment like this and you get to worship with another community, what it does is it helps to lift your eyes to see that God's writing a bigger story. And when his kingdom comes and he is on the move right now in a great, great way, what you realize is it's always bigger than an individual. It's always bigger than a church. It's always even bigger than a movement or a network or a denomination. And I just want to say, personally, I'm in a bit of a um, raw or open space uh, because in the last six months or so, I have seen ministry in ways I've never seen before. And I've gotten to see confession and filling of the Holy Spirit and new salvation at such a clip and such a rate that I haven't seen probably in the rest of my life combined. So God is moving but also the way he's moving perhaps isn't the way, it's certainly that I expected. It's a lot more gentle. It's a lot more uh, simple for those that are willing to wait and be open. And as you, as you rest, as you lean in, for those that would be willing to say yes, you notice the spirit just start to rise. And sometimes you don't even notice it until all of a sudden you've just been faithful and waiting. And you're like, oh my goodness, I'm, I'm waist deep here. He's here. I think that's how the Lord is moving. Um, and he's doing beautiful, powerful things, you know, certainly not just in our church. I'm so grateful. It's such an honor to be able to minister uh, at Wellspring, but all, all over the place. The tide is rising, and I believe the Lord is drawing near. He's drawing near. Uh, so I, I do not take it lightly by saying getting to come here and share with you and just to meet more image bearers of Christ is such a gift. This moment is a gift. And I want you to also hear that I, I'm going to share some of my heart, but I ultimately believe I will receive from you in this process and that we all will receive from the Lord because that's how this thing works that God designed, right? It is his body, his church, one body, many parts that participate in the encouragement and the strengthening and the building up of one another. But I also want to, um, I guess before I jump in fully into just, I guess, one tiny little text I wanted to teach into today. Um, also just be honest about, like, the uniqueness of what you guys have been sitting in and then what this is, which has just been a series of guest teachers. 
And you've been through so many different transitions and things where you're seeking and searching. And there's also a unique thing from my, my perspective of a church that I don't have great history with to come in and do a one-off talk. Like that's kind of a unique thing. Sometimes there can be a height, heightened expectation. Sometimes, you know, you have pre-planned material. You can do anything that you want. And what happens, I think, is sometimes there's barriers to what we're longing for, which is just true authenticity and of the Lord taking center stage. And one of the only ways I know how to dethrone the barrier that exists there is just by confession. So I don't want to freak out Marcy, but I'm just going to have a moment of confession here. Some good and some bad to just put us on the same playing field. Um, today's actually been a hard day for me to come and teach for you guys. Uh, I said yes to it a while back, and I was super pumped. And then it's just been a wild summer. Uh, over half of our staff is out right now. My wife got shingles, which is so random. Uh, and she's just getting over that, and that's been a complete disaster. Um, uh, our church, thank God, is like in a beautiful season of growth and expansion. So we're adding a service, and I'm adding multiple staff members at the same time that all our present staff members are like sick or gone. And so there's this a beautiful grace and like these really hard things happening all at once. And oftentimes when God moves, it requires a lot of us. Um, and it's wonderful, but also it's sacrificial, uh, especially when you want it to be God's way and not just your formulated plan, which is always true. But I also want to say this, I sense the Lord from the jump and getting to talk with some of your leadership, uh, the grace and the privilege of what it would be to come and just share with you, even just on a Sunday in the summer. Because I, I really can't shake this sense, maybe what I alluded to in the beginning, uh, one, that I just have a heart for this church, and I think God really loves this church. And I find myself praying for you guys often as a church. Um, I really believe this church has a significant part to play in the larger story of what the Lord is doing in the city. Perhaps some of you that are like drawing in and coming in and even in the midst of a season of transition are wondering perhaps why you're strangely drawn. And so look, I recognize you don't fully know me and on a personal level, I don't really know you, but I do know you from a broad sense. And sometimes I think it's helpful to hear uh, from somebody that's on the outside some of the things that they see in you when it's right in front of you and you're in the midst of it. And so I just want to share a few things to you, LMCC, which is I believe you are a church that is willing and will be increasingly more so if you will say yes, to carry an openness to the move of the Lord to carry an openness where you may have a plan and a direction, but perhaps the Lord may want to write a different and greater story, and he wants to bring you along for that journey. I believe this church has a mandate and a vision to create and to develop new, perhaps even new paradigms, things that are shifting and that will radically interrupt um, not the created order of what God has done, but actually allow people to see the beauty of the Lord in a different way. I believe LMCC has a heart to bless, and you are known for loving and blessing many people and churches and institutions in this city, even in ways that don't directly impact you, that don't build up your brand, that don't build up your identity, and that is no small thing. That is beautiful, and it's radical. 
And so I have this image when I pray for you guys often. And I don't know if that's new to you. Sometimes when I pray, I will get an image of something in particular that helps explain what I'm sensing. And the image I keep getting over this, I, I sense that there's almost kind of the Lord revealing two identities and two future realities. Um, and I, my sense is the first can happen and the second is what is available. And the first one I see that can happen and will happen is it's like praying over you guys and I see like the influence of LMCC almost like a web going across lower Manhattan um, and it kind of like spreads out and there's connectivity. And with that, that re represents relationship and community and a connectivity that's nice as it expands and spreads over lower Manhattan, but it also over time just kind of dissipates and fades away. And then that, that image of the web, if you will, is contrasted with this steel pylon that I see being drilled into the streets here. In particular, one of those old streets that's around here with the cobblestones on the road. And there's this steel pylon going in that's representing almost like a sense of institution, of something that is deeper and then is longer, that is something that is far greater than yourself. When something is spread out like a brand across a city, it's here for a moment and a season and it leaves. When something gets built into the bedrock of a place, it changes the skyline and the structure of a city as a whole. I believe that invitation is here um, for you. Even if you're in a moment where you're like, I'm here for a moment, I don't even know what next month brings. I believe God is building something and inviting this church into something that is deeper and greater and far beyond yourselves. That, or it's just a weird image I've been getting because my son watches too much Spider-Man and it's the web. Okay, so take that with a grain of salt. It could be completely off. I'm just going to pray uh, briefly and uh, jump in a little bit more. Lord God, I'm so thankful for you. We're so thankful for being together. God, we're thankful for your presence. I ask you would come, God, and just um, pour out what you want to do here. We are open. And God, where you are closed, would you just open us up more? Thank you for your grace. God, thank you so much that you freely give. God, I pray that you would root this community in a greater way, that you would strengthen them even now, Jesus. That you would show us and guide us the way that we should go, Lord. That you would build your kingdom here. That we would see your name made great. That you would see the, the name of Jesus across the city and over our hearts. God, we're so thankful for you. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so God is moving. He's always moving. In particular, it seems like he's moving in a, in a greater way for those that will wait and listen and be open. But here's the thing when God moves. He always moves unto something. So just like the short sermon series that you are in in this season that I get to speak into, equipping for kingdom work, God is moving here always unto something. He's equipping, empowering for the sake of his kingdom coming. So he's never going to move just for the sake of that, oh, wow, God is moving. He's doing something with that. And our primary goal to receive that equipping is found in our ability to be tethered to him. It's at our, about our ability to be able to hear his voice and to cultivate a relationship with God. And it's from there that we then get to step out into doing whatever God is doing. And so that idea is largely just what I'm going to talk about today for a little bit. Because that's where it all starts and that's where everything flows from. It all comes from this place of intimacy with God. Intimacy with God. So when we're talking about God today, I want you to hold this one image. We're not talking about a God who is far off that we're talking about, but we're talking about a living being who is right here among us and with us. Our first ministry is just to foster that relationship. And that's not 
like a theological model per se. That's the example we're given from Jesus himself. Jesus himself says, I only do what I see the Father doing. Have you heard that text? If not, it's in the Gospels, a couple of them, where he just says, I only see, or I only do what I see the Father doing. And his, so his declaration is saying, all that I do, everywhere I go, everything I speak about, all the ways I spend my time, whether I'm doing a miracle or whether I'm going to a dinner party, it's all guided and led by what the Father in heaven is leading and guiding me to do. And so Jesus came down, took on flesh, and took on the posture largely, even though he is king of kings, of a follower, of one who is in intimate relationship with God. He took on the posture of a son who honors his father. He took on the posture of a servant who is filled with the spirit and lived a life in step with the movement of the spirit. And then he goes on to say to all of us that would follow in him after, go and do the same. Go and do just as I have done. And I know that sounds pretty wild when you consider all the things that Jesus did. But in fact, the more you study it and just look at this framework of Jesus, the more and more it becomes abundantly clear that this is exactly what he meant. If we were going to just take him at face value, this is what he meant. Do as I have done. His mission and his model and his plan was to have his followers abide in him, be filled with the knowledge of truth and the spirit, and from that place, be sent out as fishers of men and disciples to the nation, carrying his love to all the world, doing the things that he himself did. Which is why Jesus preaches words like this. The student, us, not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Oh, well, how will that happen? Well, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And then he goes on to say, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. And there's a lot of debate out there of what greater things is. Uh, as is, it, is it like, is it more things or is it greater? I honestly, I don't know what's greater than like raising people from the dead and letting the blind see and... Uh, water into wine. Can I get an amen? Um, so whether it's that or just more of those, it's what is universally clear across all theological streams is that greater things means greater things. And perhaps it doesn't get any more clear than this. When Jesus shows up in his resurrected body in front of his disciples after his death and then resurrection. Now, this moment's clearly a heightened moment and it takes place in John 20. And it's this moment where Jesus kind of just shows up in a room. That room is locked, by the way, because the disciples are afraid, and rightfully so. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says, Jesus came and stood among them. And they were a little freaked out, but they were overjoyed, the text says, as you can imagine. And they are overcome because he was alive. Jesus had actually done the thing that he said that he would do that they didn't fully quite grasp or understand, but now they are seeing and witnessing in real time and they touch his side and they touch his hands. And then here in this sacred and wild and holy moment at the revelation of Jesus' mission and plan coming into fruition, Jesus looks at his disciples, his disciples whom he only has a little bit of time left with, and he says this, he says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. 
And with that, he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. We'll get to that. Do you see what Jesus is modeling, though, in saying to them? He's saying, as the Father sent me, I'm now sending you. And how is he sending them? He's, how is he making that reality possible? It's by giving them the Holy Spirit. It's just a little bit of context here. Up until this point, and ultimately the explosion of this at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit had always been working. The Spirit was there at the very beginning of creation, hovering over the surface. But the surface had moved and come upon people in places for a particular time, for a particular moment in history. But here at, at, at Jesus' baptism, actually... When Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit, it is the first time that we see the Spirit in all of human history come and stay and remain with a person. We see a man now fully filled with the Holy Spirit, abiding with the Lord in intimacy. And that is what, in fact, is the power source behind his ministry and the driving factor behind all that Jesus does. And so we read in the Gospels, we see that the Father sent Jesus into ministry. But if you notice, he only sent Jesus out into ministry in the world only after he was filled with the Holy Spirit, which was at his baptism at around 30 years old, where the Spirit comes down and descends upon him like a dove. And there it is, the very first thing we see is the Father affirm him as his son. I just want to say that with your experience of the Spirit. That's often the very first and most common thing the Spirit does is he just affirms you as his. That's where it all starts. And then from that moment, Jesus goes then straight into the desert for 40 days where he is tested and he is fasting. And the word says he was, went into the desert filled with the Spirit. And then in Luke it says when he returned from the desert after overcoming the trials and the temptations, he's now walking in the power of the Spirit. And it's finally there in that moment, now filled, affirmed, and walking in power that he launches into his earthly public ministry. And it's from that point that we begin to see the Jesus that so many of us know and watch in The Chosen. This is the Jesus, filled, affirmed, and now walking in power that preaches and casts out demons and invites outsiders into the kingdom and heals and teaches the gospel and gives words of knowledge and evangelizes and does miracles and radical acts of hospitality and acts of mercy and justice. And he did all of that work while being fully human just like you and me. He was God, but he also was fully man. And he was a man that was submitted to the will of his father who was filled with the Holy Spirit. And through that, what he's doing is giving us a living, breathing, tangible model for how to live, how to just stay tethered to the vine, stay tethered to the father and to do only what we see the father doing. That's a complete posture shift to be filled and led by the Holy Spirit. Or as Paul would later say, to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. And so now, here again, going back to John 20 in the locked room with his closest followers that he's about to send out as his only witnesses to the unbelieving world, he says, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And he breathes on them and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he goes on, I want to mention, to a kind of peculiar example. Because the very next thing he says is, if you forgive anyone's sins, the sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. And I don't this morning want to get us too much in the weeds theologically there, but the primary takeaway is this, is that he's giving them all spiritual authority. 
See, what many people had deemed as is only the work of God or perhaps only a priestly duty and a priestly anointing, God is now making it clear that he's giving that same authority by the Holy Spirit to all of his followers. Saying, I am giving you the authority to do as I have done. I, I am giving you the authority to speak and pray in my name and to go and do the work of the Father who sent me. In many ways, this is the seminal work of Jesus. It's complete and utter intimacy. All that he did throughout history is a mission to restore intimacy with us. To make us one. To give us the indwelling Holy Spirit. To give us direct access to the Father, just like he has. To make us co-heirs with him. There's a, uh, a famous prayer because it's where we get so much uh, in line of just like the words of Jesus praying in John 17. And there's a moment where he's praying uh, for all the people that would follow him. And this is where you hear his heart, I believe, so clearly. So I'm just going to read a good portion of this prayer. Jesus is praying, I pray that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to, be compl to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I may, myself may be in them. This is the very heart of Jesus. It's for unity with each other and for intimacy with him. And then as if, like, God can't underscore it enough with his great and poetic brilliance, I just want to point us to that moment of the culmination of Jesus' ministry, which is, of course, the great passion of the Christ. What is the very first thing that takes place at the death of Jesus on the cross? Right off the bat, Jesus breathes his last breath, and then immediately where we're taken to is to see that the veil in the temple is torn in two. And if you're not familiar with that veil, that veil was the barrier that divided the presence of God from the people. That was the barrier that only the priests were allowed to cross. And even then, it often killed them. See, so there was like the rest of the world, there was the religious temple, and at the very center of that temple was the holy of holies, the tangible presence of the Lord, and there was that veil surrounding that. And immediately upon his death, that is the very first thing to go. The word says, the veil was torn in two from top to bottom. I love that. It was a divine act that started at the top. The veil was torn in two from top to bottom saying, no more is there a barrier between us. No more does the curse of sin stop us from having intimacy. No more will there be a barrier keeping you from my presence. What we're coming to see through Jesus' life and death is that it turns out that the good news of the gospel is not so much that he wants to get all of us down here up into heaven one day, but he wants to get more of heaven down and into us. This is the good news that Christ, for all who will say yes, comes to live in you. He is alive and we have access to abide with him and to function with the creator of the universe in real time. It's such a gift. And if there's anything perhaps that you hear or that I leave with you today, it's perhaps just simply a call to honor that gift. 
and to steward that gift of intimacy with Jesus. It's easy to lose sight of that. It's easy to get busy working and suddenly we call upon the intimacy to bless our work. It's easy to lose sight and take for granted that we have this kind of access, that we have access to God himself through Jesus and we get to talk with him and listen to him and to abide with him, just spend time with him. I just want to say this, our prayer life, your prayer life, all of us, is not just a spiritual discipline. Like prayer itself is not a mindfulness practice or it's not important because it gives us rest and centering and meditation. And don't get me wrong, those are beautiful things. Those are good things. It's why the world now is kind of awakening up to the importance and the value of silence and solitude and meditation and mindfulness, right? There's always a shadow of truer things that we resonate with as a society, but that is not ultimately what prayer is because practices don't change you. It's love that changes you. And love is a person. And love is God himself, and he wants to meet with you and walk with you on a daily basis. I don't know, perhaps you've noticed on a meta level or maybe a very acute and personal level that there's been, in the midst of a move of God, a massive falling away from faith that took place in the last couple of years with COVID and all the social upheaval and the crisis that we've seen. And I just wonder, perhaps, could it be that many people have just simply found that their spirituality was lacking and pretty thin when it got placed up against some real-life difficulties and trials? That in the face of fear of illness, or in the face of overt racism, or in the face of economic hardship, the Christian podcast and some spiritual mindfulness disciplines really didn't hold that much weight. And I believe what the Lord has been gently reminding us again and again is that knowing about him is not the same thing as knowing him. Those are two very different things. And there's really only one real way to get to know someone, and that's just to be with them. And I think that's his invitation. That's what prayer is. It's our greatest gift in fact, this gift, this reality was so great that above all other things, the disciples themselves who walked for years hand in hand, step in step in the dust of their rabbi, walking with Jesus, they saw the miracles, they witnessed the insight and the wisdom, they saw the great teaching. When they had the chance to ask him one thing, above all else, they asked him this. They said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Because what they witnessed firsthand in following him was that all that he did and all that he said seemed to flow from that place. He had a regular prayer rhythm. He followed all the Jewish calendar and customs. He would also then spend nights away in prayer. He would spontaneously pray. He would always step forward into places of prayer. And it seemed that all that he did stemmed from this place of intimacy with his father. And from there, all the realities of the kingdom became available right before their eyes. And so they said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? Okay, now, I'm like breaking this here, hard break, because there's a pastor thing you can do where you teach and build up and you make a case about an idea and it feels really awesome and you're going from here and we're like all in on prayer, but it doesn't always match then when we leave this space and go to the reality of real life. So I want to be real. 
that is amazing and wonderful as prayer is, it's an extraordinary gift of intimacy and access. It is also very ordinary and sometimes boring and sometimes difficult. You're not broken if you pray and it feels like it's bouncing off the ceiling. You're not broken if you fall asleep in prayer. You're not broken if at times it feels like you're just showing up, that every time you don't feel the inflowing of the Spirit. Because God designed us in his likeness. Remember that. And so, so often the human experience is really in alignment with the Lord. It's just broken and stained by sin. And so many of the things of the Lord are also, also off, often very human, but also very divine. But don't lose sight of the fact that they're also very human. In prayer, in abiding with Jesus is really like that. It's a relationship that's often very like just being in love. And so, I don't know if this will out me as a dork, but um, I've seen the notebook um, several times. Um, so I don't know how you feel about it. By the way, it is my friends producing it. Get your tickets now. It's coming to Broadway. It's going to be beautiful. If you don't know that, keep a lookout. Um, or if it stinks, I don't know. I don't know. I have not seen it. It's previewing still, okay? But whether you love that, that movie or that book or you think it's sappy, I do think that there is one kind of universal truth that everyone experiences when you witness it, which is the beauty and the example of the couple at the end is really admirable. Because the story, if you're not familiar, culminates with this beautiful picture of an elderly couple that is so in love and so dedicated to one another. They are filled with this depth and commitment and vulnerability. And when we see that, right, they even breathe their last breath together. I mean, come on. But you see that. We all see that. And we're drawn to it. And we resonate with it. And we say, yeah, I, I want that. I want, arrive, I want to arrive at the end like that, to be fully known and fully loved and fully accepted. But have you ever noticed, if you watch that film, and my friend Tyler, who leads 24-7 Prayer right now, pointed this out to me. He said, you ever notice the majority of the movie is actually not even about their relationship? See, the director actually chooses to almost primarily focus on the early years of passion and falling in love and overcoming all the volatile swings of youth and romance in those early days. And then the film takes us through all of that in, the, in detail, actually, right up to that moment where they finally choose to be together with one another. And then we cut to the very end, and we get that picture of fruitfulness and faithful love. Why is that? Well, largely because it's a movie, and the author wants to sell tickets. And honestly, in large parts, the decades of fidelity and faithfulness that give us that ending are actually just kind of boring. We all want that ending, right? That depth, that love, that commitment, that vulnerability, but that comes from a life of love and faithfulness. The highs and the lows of raising kids, the fixing the leaks in the roofs, the messing around and trying to deal with your super in your apartment, the great family vacations and the terrible ones, the weeks and months of work and chores and Saturday mornings with nothing to do, just everyday stuff. But when we see the fruitfulness of it all, we recognize that there is a depth and a love that cannot be fabricated or coerced or manipulated or faked. It's in the faithfulness, the daily presence of being with one another, that something can be formed that can't be formed in any other way. Now God comes in power and it often infuses great moves of God for a moment, but it's unto something and it's always unto you. 
That's where our personal history is made. In the faithfulness then of daily choosing to show up together. If we want that with God, the fruitfulness and the depth at the end, the intimacy and the power of the spirit, the deep trust, that's all a result of communion with him. Just like Jesus himself who didn't walk a day on this earth feeling that he could get in front of the step of the move of the spirit, but instead pulled himself in, tethered himself to the father and followed the voice, followed his leading in the highs and the lows of every day and everything in between. I love the quote that Richard Foster uses. He says, real prayer comes not from gritting your teeth, but falling in love. Jesus just wants to be with you. And his promise is that as you just show up and you say yes, he is going to fill you and comfort you and send you out in greater ways than you could have ever expected. He is the vine and we are the branches. And all that we are and all that we do comes from him. And so I'll close just by saying to all of us, I don't know where your story is completely right now, corporately or individually. I don't know fully where it is going, but I do know that it begins and it ends with Jesus. In and through it all, Jesus is not a means to an end. He is the goal itself. He is the prize. He is the destination. And so God is moving, but he never moves just to move. He's looking for people who are simply open to more so that he can equip and comfort and set free and encourage. He freely gives. The word says, how eager is the Lord to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. I'd love for us to close in prayer. Uh, and just kind of give God some time to meet with us, right? It's one thing to talk about all these things and say we want to be led by him, and then sometimes we jump to not being led by him. Uh, so if you're, if you're comfortable, I'd invite you to stand. Uh, you don't have to. Um, and I also encourage you to close your eyes. There's nothing spiritual about it. It just helps with distraction, actually. And one more, if you are comfortable, uh, you can place your hands out in front of you like this. You might have to open your eyes to see me if you didn't know what I'm saying. Again, nothing overtly spiritual. It's just a physical posture. Sometimes our bodies go first to show where our heart is willing to go, which is like saying, I'm open. It's the opposite of kind of like crossing your arms. It's like saying, I'm willing to receive a gift. And all of it is gift. All of it is grace. And then I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit, who's already been here among us, and then we're just going to wait. Just going to wait on his presence. There's so many voices in this world, and while the Lord's is the most powerful, I often find it's the most quiet. So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. God, would you just come and give us your love? Bless this community.
come, Lord. I just want to normalize a few things. It doesn't need to be a hyper-spiritual moment, but some of you experiencing some tears, and that's just completely normal. That's just the love of God and human emotion coming up and responding. I just encourage you to lean into that. Some of you almost feel a sense of something like on your hands or even on your heart. If that's you, I just say, more, Lord, would you increase that? Increase your tangible presence. He is here. Come, Lord, more. For others, it's just that peace that God is bringing with his presence. there's a few people here who are in a strong place of transition and you're feeling alone in that decision God's inviting you to come and cast your anxiety upon him because he cares for you I think he's inviting you to let go and you can release the control that you've been carrying over that transition how much more does he care for you? If he takes care of the lilies of the field and the birds in the air, how much more does he care for you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you. There's one other sense for um, people here in particular. There's a verse where the Lord says he takes our hearts of stone and it gives us a heart of flesh. Some of you, I think, perhaps have gone a while without even realizing that you feel like your heart is pretty hard. Not negative necessarily, maybe a little bitter, maybe a little jaded. And I just sense the Lord saying, Your heart is not a heart of stone, it's just hardened like a sponge. You know, like a sponge that when it's been dry for a long time and not been soaking in the presence, it's just really hard. But as you soak it in the presence, it begins to soften. As you soak it in the water, it begins to soften and soften. And as the Lord comes and fills, as the water comes and fills, is the sponge in the water, is the water in the sponge. this is long we're just waiting here because we don't often give space and I have a high threshold for awkward but God loves you and he wants to meet with you he's meeting with a number of you right now it's just his presence I just want to take one further risk I'm only here for one week so for those of you that are feeling something, whether it's heat or you know the Lord is speaking to you or you feel his presence on you or he's coming with tears, would you um, be so bold as just to say, that's me? And you can just raise your hand and show me. Yeah. We just hold them there. 
Come, Holy Spirit. Give him more. Give him more. Give him more, Jesus. And keep him up, please. I know this is bold, but it is Jesus and it is free. I want to invite the rest of you that aren't holding your hands up, that you feel like you could be available to just um, see and pray. Would you just look and see those that have their hands up? I'm not calling you out. It's not for making any hierarchy. But remember, the Lord releases the priestly anointing to all of his followers. And so if you see someone with your hands up, I want to encourage you uh, right here that the Lord works through you. You only do what we see the Father doing, and the Father is working. And so all we need to do is come alongside and bless what the Father is doing. And we've been given examples for Scripture for the laying on of hands. And so I just encourage you to approach someone now and place your hand on them. Ask permission, may I place your, my hand on you? We respect space. You can always say no if they say no. And just simply say, come Holy Spirit, increase what you're doing. We bless what you're doing. And you don't need to preach and you don't need to be a great prayer. You just are joining your faith with theirs. More Lord, increase what you're doing. Bless them, God. And if you happen to get something to pray, you're not a preacher or a teacher. It's just your best words of encouragement, strengthening, and comforting. That's what the Lord tells us to do. Thank you, Jesus, more. Wait here, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God's pouring out his love on this church. And he's moving today. And he's not moving today just for this moment. He always moves unto something more, Lord. For some of you, this is like a breaking moment, like the releasing of a dam. Like there's been some pressure building up and there's been some turning points. And here it's a release and a letting go where you finally can stop relying on your own strength and start relying on the realities of heaven. And sometimes it takes you a moment to coming to the end of yourself before you start calling on resources that are not your own. And you can just receive. Receive.